going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Men's Wellness Collective Podcast. And we are back as a group. I feel like uh, it's been a little while since the three of us had a full-on conversation with just the three of us. Uh, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. So as always, uh, my name is Jordan Lewis. I'm one of your co-hosts and co-therapists on this podcast. I'm joined by my two friends, brothers, comrades, in this work, uh, Caleb Adego K and Mr. Dalen Bernie. Uh, how are you gentlemen doing today? We're doing all right. We're doing all right. We are here. We are tired, but we are ready to go. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting by. It's been a, uh, a stressful couple of weeks. There's lots of ups and downs of life, but you know, still here, still getting through it. Um, yeah, learned a lot, grown a lot uncomfortable but that's life so i'm excited for this conversation to kind of get back into podcasting reconnecting with you guys and getting back to some normal i think you know we did some different things the last couple weeks uh so yeah good to get back good to be back always a pleasure to have you back my boy yeah yeah it's good to see you maybe uh maybe after we you know finish out our mini series on love we can do kind of just like a check-in yeah, uh, mid year over over mid year, I guess podcast to just see where how how we've been growing, see see what's been going on in in each of our worlds in the last you know couple of months. So I think that'd be cool. But today we have a much a much different conversation. Today uh, we're continuing our mini series on love called Love Like a Man, and we would be remiss. Um, when it comes to having a conversation about love, if we didn't talk about the ways in which we express our love physically, right? So we're talking about sex today uh, and just unpacking a lot of the different ideas around sex, uh, men's relationship with sex, how we're conditioned to view sex, and hopefully sparking some conversations and some thoughts and reflections around uh, how we can undo any unhealthy views on sex to have a more enjoyable, more pleasurable, healthier uh, sex life with with whoever it is that we're doing that with. So um, maybe we can just throw it out there uh, to, to take it back historically and talk about growing up for us, right? What were some of the views? How did we form our ideas around sex? Uh, where did we learn this? very elusive, mysterious, uh, taboo topic from, you know, as mm. yeah, I think for me, I think the word taboo comes to mind, which not even really taboo. Cause I think a lot of people when it's taboo, it's like people actively try to push it down. Whereas my parents just thought it was awkward and didn't want to talk about it. <laughs> so we just never talked about it. Like my mom tried to have one conversation with me and of course I'm embarrassed and awkward and uncomfortable so I just looked down and went okay 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 until she stopped talking um <laughs> and then my dad one time when I was 17 um threw a pack of condoms at me and said I don't need to know the details of your personal life but I want you to have these and I was just like um thanks and like didn't have a girlfriend like wasn't anywhere near like close to anywhere having sex that time um so yeah, those were like my two examples. So it was just they didn't want to talk about it, so we did it. 
Um, and I think, you know, it was through my own experiences and hearing what my friends were doing and experiencing, which is never a good way to learn about sex or what you see on the internet or what you see in movies or in music videos or TV, like, you know, all of those media outlets. Um, that's kind of where I got it. Um, and I think I made a lot of mistakes that way. Um, I think if people had sat me down and had a real conversation about it, I think I could have avoided some of those mistakes. Um, maybe, maybe not, but I think there were definitely some things I didn't know a lot about, particularly how to have a conversation around sex because I didn't know how to do that. So when I started having sex, it was, it just kind of happened and then you would do it and then it would be weird. And then there was no conversation about how I felt about it or what I was thinking about it. And it would just, this is the thing that we did. It was like going out to eat. You're not really talking about it. You're just doing it. You're just doing um, it. Yeah. yeah. So it was kind of this trial and error. Um, and I'm at a better place now, but I think growing up and figuring that out was really difficult. Yeah, I agree. I feel like I grew up um, with sex actually being a taboo topic. Um, and it was one that was not i don't want to say it wasn't handled with care it just wasn't handled at all it was just sex is something that is reserved for marriage and that is it that is the only place for it um it is something that god created for a man and his wife and anything outside of that is sin and detrimental to you as a person and can cause harm and it was this it was this conversation about sex that was not really a conversation more like dictation on why you shouldn't be having sex which was always very confusing to me because those conversations were prefaced prefaced with like sex is good sex is great well actually not until like my middle adulthood before that conversation happened when I was a teenager, like youth group and church and even trying to have conversations with my family, it was just like, sex is something for a husband and a wife, period, point blank, period. I don't think my parents ever gave me the talk. Uh, one story I like to tell is uh, <laughs> there was one point uh, my dad was dropping me off at school for whatever reason. I can't remember what, but it was hot one on three jams in the morning. And they were talking to, they were, it was literally a commercial for a talk to your kids about safe sex. And that was the most quiet, awkward ride I have ever had in my entire <laughs> life. It was cringeworthy. And then, like, we, I remember it, like, perfectly. Was that with your mom or dad? It was my dad. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. With my dad. Um, I remember, it, like, we pulled right into the circle drive at the back of the school. Um, he pulled up. He was like, nope, you heard what they said. Don't be dumb. And then he sped off and went to class like right about that um so that was never that conversation so for me i felt like i learned what sex was a lot through movies through conversation with friends uh again stuff you see on the internet whether it be softcore or hardcore porn or just like movies where sex was over exaggerated like I think one of the first movies that I remember watching where there was nudity was Gladiator. 
which that's like one of my favorite movies of all time. And it isn't even Gladiator is nothing like what we see now on TV, like Game of Thrones or House of Dragon or anything on HBO. I mean, go down the list: Euphoria, uh, Pick the Sopranos, The Sopranos, The Wire. Um, yeah, so it was all it was all through quote unquote osmosis, which I don't know if I developed the most healthy understanding of what sex was. Um, and I think the problem with that is if you're not talking about sex in the home, it doesn't mean that your kids aren't learning about it. It just means that you aren't helping shape that conversation. Um, and so I think that's probably a, a place to start on like, yeah, if you're not talking about sex, somebody is. So if you're not going to be the one to have that conversation with the people in your life, do not be ignorant and assume that it's not happening. It's probably happening significantly younger than you think it is. So mm-hmm. one of the best ways I think I've ever heard someone handle it is that like he said, ever since he has, he has three boys, he's one of my mentors, he has three boys. He said, every time his kids ask him any question, he says, mm, yes, absolutely. Let's sit down and talk about it. And then he'll show them textbooks like, this is what a breast is. This is what a penis is. This is the function. This is how, like, you have one. People have this, and it's always phrased from. You're curious about this. How is this coming up? Okay, let's let's talk about the science, but also let's talk about what's going on with you. I think that's maybe the healthiest I've ever heard someone say they've ever talked to their kids about sex, but that was not my experience. So. Yep. I, I like what you said about regardless of whether or not the influence is coming from the home or not, the influence is going to come from somewhere. They're going to learn somewhere. Yeah. Um, Sex is everywhere in our society. Yeah. It's so prevalent. And, uh, I think that that's, that's interesting because that's something that I've often thought about with my like experience coming up, learning about sex to kind of illustrate the power of the outside influence. So, uh, I actually had a conversation with my dad um and as i look back and reflect on it it was i feel pretty good a pretty a pretty healthy uh perspective on the conversation so um i'll never forget it for some reason it was just him and i driving around Uh, it's funny like going back to caleb uh your your experience like the car just seems to be the source of a lot of the like father-son talks in my life like i'm sitting in the passenger seat my dad's driving and he's like just schooling me on whatever the topic is yeah so it's always interesting to reflect back my theory on that is because it's you're trapped you can't go anywhere so they have to at least at least that's how my mom did it like she would get me in the car and it was like you have to listen to me now like you can't go anywhere genius that you might be onto something there i never thought about that uh but, you know, the way my dad boiled it down, it, it wasn't the traditional, it wasn't the birds and the bees talk about how sex works. I think I was actually mm-hmm. quite, a, at that time, I think I was 15. I think I knew that. I knew all the anatomical terms. I knew what sex was physically. You put in, you know, penis in a vagina, and then that's what you're doing. But his talk with me was more like a navigating sex. Mm-hmm. From the emotional, from a relational standpoint, which I, which I really appreciate, you know, looking back. 
And the two words he told me were be responsible, be respectful. Yeah. Responsibility, obviously, in the form of contraception, you know, don't be doing things like in, I don't know, public places or in ways that are going to get you in trouble, you know, things like that. But the respectful part was the area that we really dove deep on. Um, respect your body. Respect yourself. Don't mm. do anything that some, you know, don't do anything that you don't feel comfortable with. Respect her, in my case, her body, right? Because I was dating at a serious high school girlfriend at the time. Um, respect her. You know, you don't do anything that she's not comfortable with. You respect her emotions, right? Sex for women now looking back it was a little bit antiquated but sex for women isn't what sex is for men it was kind of the message like her emotions are going to be into it maybe to a greater degree than yours again kind of antiquated way of looking at it but it made me mindful of like yeah handle this thing with care don't don't Oh, think that there's not an emotional tie that I'm getting into with this person by engaging in this, in this, yeah. act, right. Um, respect our space. We, you don't have a home, mm. like you don't have your own place. And so I'm not naive enough to think that when you guys start doing this, if you start doing this, you're going to be at her place. You're going to be at our house, respect our space. You have siblings. We're here. I should never catch you like I remember my dad said like don't ever let me catch you in our bed doing something stupid or crazy like respect the, the people's spaces and and the fact that you don't own the rights to any of this and and, and so it just made me very mindful as someone who was would then uh become active probably like a year later after this conversation I still remembered those things and, and was really mindful and intentional about like doing it um, in the safest way possible, as well as in a way that's like going to respect her, going to respect myself, respect each of our parents um, to, the, to the greatest degree. You know, I probably wasn't perfect, but yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm very fortunate to have had that talk. And yet we'll get into this probably later as I developed the societal influences were still so strong in me that there were times in my life where I didn't use sex responsibly. Yeah. And I wasn't respectful. Yeah. And I used it for selfish reasons or to fill, you know, some sort of emotional void in me and, and not taking into consideration the other person. So it just goes to show that like those externals are still so strong. So it's of the utmost importance to still have those conversations because they can serve as a buffer yeah. for the forces that are still going to be super powerful. Yeah. In that condition. Yeah. I think I like, I have a lot of respect for how you felt like that conversation went. I almost tried to like, in my mind, I, that's exactly what I'm trying to emulate. Should I be fortunate to have kids in the future? is a combination of what you had and what my mentor did with his sons is like, all right, cool. You are eight. We're going to talk about sex in a very different way. And we're going to talk about sex in two years when you're 10 and puberty starts to be a thing. Um, and I think in, 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 like you said, regardless of how careful or guarded or protective you try to be about the conversation, societal influences are going to happen. I remember when Mass Effect came out 
and uh, it came off of the Xbox 360. It was one of my favorite games of all time, still till that till today. Um, it was one of the more first mature games where, like, besides Grand Theft Auto, because Grand Theft Auto is always in the news, but like, you could have intersex with, uh, you could have intercourse with aliens, um, specifically, like, and there was like, there was uh, heterosexual, well, transracial, homosexual. It was like just a gambit. Like, you could have relationships and sex with whatever and whoever. Well. There's specific characters, but like, I remember the news, like the Xbox is turning your children into sex monsters. They, they, there was literally a new sex man cause like, is the Xbox the sex box? It's teaching your children to have sex with aliens. I'm just like, what? I remember like being really annoyed because like, if you played the game, the sex was like maybe a quadrillionth of anything that happened in the game, but it was such a- Yeah, but you remember it. But I remember. Sure well, you did. remember that, yeah. Sure, remember that. And again, like <laughs> there's the Grand Theft Auto. Well, what was it San Andreas that came out, and there was the whole hot coffee thing. So no matter where you tried to like run the conversation, I think handling it with care. Um, one of the most common things that I think I hear, um, both in the circles I grew up in, being uh, Christian, and I like let me let me preface this by saying this like. If someone asked me today, am I a Christian? The answer is undoubtedly yes. Do I conform to Christianity the way some people claim to? Absolutely not. Do I think I have the right answers on that? Nope. Still trying to figure it out. Try to figure it out every day. So I understand, like, if the Bible is supposed to be for Christians out there, like your guiding principle, right? And it says, okay, do not commit adultery, right? You want to, like, have a conversation about what sex is, what adultery is. And like how harmful and how hurtful it can be like, but you also want to like talk about it in a way that makes sense. One of the things that never made sense to me was that like, if God created this thing about sex, right. And it's how we reproduce. And like the human biology is about survival and reproduction. If God created this thing to be good, why the hell was every youth pastor on the face of the planet coming up? And I mean, with some like ridiculous analogies, there was this one time in youth group youth pastor got up like a like a like a donut right i was like who here wants this donut right every single kid in youth group was like yeah me 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 mind you we're like between the ages of 12 and like 15 maybe 16 at this point me everybody of course it's wednesday evening you want a donut and he goes does everybody want it cool 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 what if i passed it around and everybody talked touched it would you still want it then and like half the class was like duh still a donut at the end of the day and then he took a bite out of it. It was like, do you still want it now? And then more hands would go down and then like threw it on the ground and stomped all over. It was like, who still wants this donut now? And obviously everyone was like, no. And then that was how we, that's how we had a conversation about sex and, and youth group. And I'm just like, ew, right? That is, yeah. I find it interesting that like, I feel like in the US that like, that's probably like a very mainstream thing that it happens like well i think a lot of people have that experience mm -hmm. and then you have the other extreme that we get in movies and tv shows where it's have sex with as many people as you can as much as you can with like it's you get that image yeah of like what you see and that so you're between these two extremes and you have to pick between one or the other is the kind of what it feels like is like if i'm not going to save myself for marriage which is what you know the typical christian view is I have to do what I'm seeing in the media. And so you'd go one way or the other. 
Yeah. And, and I think it's so true. And at that time, there wasn't even conversation about like, what's gray? What feels good? It was just one or the other. And being immature kids, like, I can't remember like, like how often I would have looked at someone as an object or like something to aspire to or something to capture. Like sex was this very curious thing. And because I felt like I couldn't have an open, honest, real conversation with it at home. And my brother was older. So he was like, my brother was what? Two years older than me. So much smarter than I was on the football team, like came to America and like fit in immediately. And I, I remember, I think I've told this story in a different context. I remember getting cussed out by another black dude. And it was the first time I got called the N word. And they said, who is this nigga in this Bill Cosby sweater? I'm like, me? It was like fifth grade. So like I'm dealing with racial, I'm, I'm dealing with racial, racial issues, cultural issues, trying to fit in, trying to not fit in, figure out who I am. I got health issues going on. So sex just complicated everything. But like also going through puberty, I'm like, I, I, I'm supposed to be liking this. I remember there was a, a particular conversation I had uh, at a lunch table with a friend of mine. I, I'm not going to say his name here for privacy sakes, but like dog was telling me about like, this Mexican chick about like how she came over, whoop de woo, blah blah blah. They did this, he did that. I'm like, bro, I'm still trying to learn how to play basketball. You already here doing what? Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I it became like, all right, cool. I have to, and I had to fit in. And mm -hmm. for better or worse, it now became like a game. And mm -hmm. I think like I think had I had a space to fully like process what I was feeling, why I was feeling it, like the conversations that were going on around me in a way that didn't feel shame inducing, I think I probably would not have approached my first encounter the way I did because, and, and again, I'll leave names out, but I remember having a conversation that was like, it's summer, it was like, I got back from my transplant in 2007. It was like 2000, summer 2008, summer 2009. I was like, I am not ending the summer with my V card. Like I'm, I'm losing my V card from hell or high water. Um, and the first experience was not, it was not good. Not that it wasn't good. I had no clue what I was doing. I was flopping around for like an hour, but the pain that followed after was because again, it wasn't couched in safety. It wasn't couched in honesty. It wasn't couched in anything other than me losing my V card that summer. Um, yeah. And the person like, I don't know what it is for what it, your experience was for anybody else who's listening or may not be listening, obviously, um, self edit. I wouldn't want to say the words trigger warning, but like self edit if sexual encounters is something that is problematic for you choose to listen at your own pace. Again, this is not meant to be your own therapy. We want you definitely to be in your own therapy, but if stuff like this, hearing us process our encounters is helpful, great. And then use this as a tool to continue to process your own encounter. After my first encounter with this girl I was dating, we, my first encounter was like on a Thursday, we ended up breaking up the next, I think we ended up like breaking up almost a week later or like a week and a day later. Like Friday, she went out of town. 
Saturday, like she went out of town like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Two weeks later, she had sex with one of my really, really good friends while I was in the other room. Uh, right? Yeah. Like the amount of pain that that I felt in that. And as a, as I think like even then, the conversation of like, oh, you're a man, you're... And I, get, I was trying to fit in because I didn't know who I was. I was trying to fit into specific groups. So it was like kind of like, oh, he's getting my sloppy seconds. Woo-dee-woo. And like there was, I remember we were walking around the mall and somebody was like, sloppy second. Nigga, that's his girlfriend. What you mean? Like, y'all broke up. So it's not even that big of a deal. And I even felt defensive. I'm like, no, no, no. I hit it first. I hit it. First. So because I didn't have. There's a lot. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I think, I think you're, there's a lot of that wrapped up for men. At least it was for me. Um, once I got out of a long-term relationship, it was always feeling like X and the amount of partners I could acquire. Acquire, yeah. Or hitting, mm-hmm. you know, not maybe not even quantity. So, because because I I wasn't. Uh, I definitely had moments where, you know, I was looking for that, like looking for partners when I was in between relationships because of the loneliness that I was feeling. But also mm-hmm. I think there is a lot wrapped up in your sense of worth, your manhood mm-hmm. around like, oh, you, 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 even in the way we say it, you got her. And yeah. It was something. Well, you hit that. Yeah. Plain yeah. Yourself, well, I think right? like even, Yeah. Yeah, Mookie even said earlier, like, it felt like a game. And I think that's it immediately made me think that, like, I think that's just kind of how men and women operate differently. Like, if you watch little children play, boys play games. They run around, they create these, like, competitions with each other, whereas mm. little girls will, like, talk and kind of play, like, make-believe. So it's more about them, whereas boys will take it outside of them and have, like, a thing that they're competing with. Mm. We're doing with each other. And we kind of do this our entire life. Like, that's why we still like playing sports and all these things. But I think we've turned sex into that competition game between each other. You know, who got more girls or who's getting the hottest girl or, you know, you know, who got it last or who did, you know, it's still that game competition between us that is not healthy for us or the other people involved. But I think sometimes we forget that, you know, it's that objectifying them and treating them as an object, and they're just a part of our game. They're not real people with feelings. Yeah. They're just points on the scoreboard. Yeah, yeah. Crazy you say that because right before you were saying that, that's how I viewed it. That's what I was going to say. If like it felt like a point, mm-hmm. it felt like there was this, uh, there was this meter, right? There's this manhood meter. You know, if anyone's played like a, a fighting game. Or anything on a video game you have this health bar yeah and when you get hit your health bar like drops down well i feel as if i had this manhood bar mm-hmm. that when i was in a relationship with with uh an attractive girl like in high school i never i felt the security and never felt like at urge that i had to go prove my manhood or whatever but the minute that relationship ended and it's like, mm-hmm. dang, she dumped you, right? Like, that's a blow to your 
to your manhood bar. So now my health is like at halfway and I'm looking for ways to like replenish that bar and, and, and nude sexual partners was always the way that I replenished this sense that like, well, I don't have her anymore. Now, like, let me like Sonic, when he gets hit with the coins, the coins spill out. It's like, I got to get how many more coins now can I go and get? Um, and it is, it's this really damaging. I like that we talk a lot and we should highlight the way, the hurtful way that it objectifies women because it's not seeing the humanity in them, but part of our game. Yeah. Uh, and, and I also think we don't acknowledge how damaging that is to, to us because we deprive ourselves of genuine connection as a result. Yeah. I remember there was a moment, uh, shout out to Christian. You guys met him. He's been on the podcast. Uh, I think our first guest episode was crazy. It was, yeah. And I remember being in college, I think it was like a sophomore or something, and this was another breakup period I went through, and I was doing my normal pattern, um, having casual hookups, you know, different people. I'm not going to say every day. It wasn't that bad, but it was different people regularly enough to the point where my best friend who also operating under the same condition the same game is looking at me like he's winning the game like whoa look at that comes into my room one one morning after another you know hookup and he's excited he's like man what was what was that like and i was just like bro i'm so empty and i feel so terrible and i was like what like you're single you're 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 out you're winning the game it's like i don't want to play this game anymore yeah i guess basically mm -hmm. kind of realization that i came to because i was not connecting with myself with with anyone it was just this this uh you know ever-ending cycle of trying to fill a void of loneliness and loss of connection in a way that was it was it working you know, because I wasn't embracing and, and connecting with their humanity. It was just once on the scoreboard, once on the scoreboard, refill the bar, refill the meter. So, yeah, I think that's always important. I love to highlight that because while the focus should definitely be on the ways that women are objectified in the, in the harm that that does to them, men don't fool yourself thinking that that is not damaging to you. Absolutely. Um, and when you're using sex and using women as a way to, or using other men for that matter, right? As a way to, you know, achieve some internal sense of self-worth. That, that's not. It's like drinking salt water versus regular water. You think you're rehydrating yourself, but you're slowly just killing yourself more. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I like that analogy. I've always, one I've used is like, it's thinking that, the Sour Patch Kids from the gas station is going to like give you the nourishment that you're searching for. Like, yeah. You need a home cooked meal, but I'm go pulling up to QT. Like, let me get these Reese's real quick. Yeah, and not to say that the women were less. It was my perception. Yeah, of, mm -hmm. of them. it was. It was my relationship with the with the act. Um, so yeah, and I think it's very interesting. Um, I think we actually do need a part two of this conversation with a woman's perspective because we're we're talking about this from a heterosexual male perspective of our experiences and what um is 
elevated conversation from the women in our lives that we've talked to about these things. But I, I would love to hear a woman's perspective of their journey with this thing, sex, the conversations they were having or not having, what, what the girl talk is like, what the pillow talk is like. Because, um, again, it's, it, it's very much like a report card or scoreboard or bragging rights at the lunch table as if like that, as if like that isn't also detrimental to how you not only view yourself, um, but view and begin to objectify not just your partner, but the act of sex itself. Like if it's supposed mm -hmm. to be something, because sex is a very intimate nature. If we look at it biologically, you are literally inserting us a piece of yourself into someone else. If if that's not intimate, I don't know what else is. But if we if we well, never get it's, it's literally the closest you can get besides being in surgery and literally <laughs> digging in someone else. But like the thing that I think one man need to honestly have a real conversation with themselves about is when you objectify someone or you objectify sex or it becomes this commodity. You also objectify yourself. I think as an adult, young adult, um, as I as I get as I begin to walk into middle adulthood, one of the things that I realized that I struggled with was feeling objectified sexually as a black man, right? Like being in conversations with um women of non-color and having conversations of I've never slept with a black guy before what's this supposed to be like or there is this what I'm just going to call the personification the fetishization of like the ideal black man right and digging 10 inches long what is it uh uh or you're not you're not built like whoever whatever whatever then oh you're just not good enough and then it gets into like oh you're not good enough as a black man and then that get that that stuff really like messed with like my psyche i'm like well what like who told you like first of all it was like in like middle school it's like okay uh yeah your shoe size is 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 double the size of your penis size who the hell came up with that nonsense but if you're not middle school up, children, that's who they don't know anything came up with that. Exactly. But like, <laughs> there's the conversation of like, there's not a conversation about biology. There's not a conversation about like, you're born with what you are born with. And you learn how to use it or you don't know how to use it. Whatever it is, like, unless you have a, a transplant, you're stuck with it. Then it comes to like, oh, I'm not good enough for my self-worth or all these things. And then even when I was being told like, oh no, you are very good at this. It was like, yeah, but this one person this one time said that I wasn't good enough. So what this also tied into some emotional stuff for me where it was like, and I think for other men, it's like, okay, now I have to like, I have to please them in order for me to feel good. And then I've also heard the vice versa. You become a, you become a vessel or just a, a, a tool. You become a human toy. You become a human like, toy. It, yeah. It's like performative. It's like you have to meet their expectations and it's you're not always going to fit with everybody even just personality wise and i think the same is true is with sex especially if you're not having a conversation about like what feels good for them and what they yeah. like so you're doing one thing and they need something completely else 
but they're not also communicating that and you're not communicating your needs. So neither one's going to get met, at least for the women, because it takes a little bit more for women to have orgasm and they have different needs. And you don't know that unless you have a conversation about it. Yeah. Which, which again, like if you're not going into it, like not, not every, not everyone goes into all their sexual encounters with the intention of like, oh, we're going to treat this thing with the respect and do that. Sometimes you just get drunk. You have a night out. You're just like, well, well, that happened. Um, and again, not to induce shame to that because sex is fun. Sex feels good. But when does it go from being something that is fun and feels good and can be had in an appropriate way and can be very connecting and can be a point of like relationship growth to being this thing that becomes this gluttonous monster because it is it is like a like everyone has a libido everyone has a sex drive and like the more you deprive it or the more you feed it it can either it can it it can destroy you sex sex addiction if we want to be very sensitive sex addiction is a very real thing it's a very real diagnosis and some people suffer with stuff like that yeah I think I think what's helped me just overall improve my relationship with sex in general, and I'm not where I want to be in terms of like having the conversations around it. Um, that's something in this next stage of I think my relationship mm. that that's what I really want to improve upon is like really um, doing my part to improve the sexual compatibility between Aubrey and I. And getting comfortable around having the conversations but around what I like, what do you like, how do we make this, how do we get out of performance mode into pleasure mode? And I think that's what's helped me get to that point is realizing, which is kind of funny, is actually came through a really detrimental experience or harmful experience on my end when in college I had a partner who I dated for a couple of years and then when I, when I got out of that relationship and then sometime down the road started dating who would become my ex-wife, I remember my ex-wife telling me that, yeah, so-and-so, your previous partner is telling everyone that in the whole relationship time that you guys were dating, she never had an orgasm. And so in my mind, I'm like, damn. Now that scrambled my brain to be like, well, now I can never believe what anyone ever tells me again. Right. So even though that was really hurtful and harmful, um, the moment it actually liberated me because like, okay, well, if I can never trust what they, what anyone says anymore mm. about my quote unquote performance, then I can only shift my focus to did I feel good? Did I have a good time? And try my best to make sure that they feel good. Mm -hmm. Even if it ends in orgasm or doesn't, or they say it did, but it didn't, or they say it didn't, but it did, like, that would just make me anxious. Mm. I can't focus on that now mm -hmm. once that was told to me. Yeah. And that has been liberating because now it's just like, how do I make this experience enjoyable for both of us in my relationship? And if... Climax happens, awesome. If it doesn't, okay, did we still enjoy ourselves? Did it still feel good? 
And that has helped me to be more attentive, more attuned, be willing to have the conversations, to not take it personal or feel bad, to be poached or told like, it, try do this instead, try this instead. It, it, it's, it really has helped me get out of this. Like, and I don't see myself as that anymore. Like I deserve to have fun with this too. Yeah. Uh, not just a, 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 a tool for, uh, you know, a, a living, breathing climax tool. Yeah. I'm yeah. a human being as well who wants to have an enjoyable experience and who wants my partner to have an enjoyable experience too. Yeah. yeah. It's been really helpful for me is like shifting my mindset and my relationship with it from, from performance to pleasure. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think, you know, and having some conversations, you know, those are always difficult and awkward, but doing it either well before or well after, you know, the actual act of sex. Um, so, I mean, Emily and I just love having dinner and talking about sex. You know, we'll have a glass of wine and relaxing and it's just like, just bring it up and be like, hey, like what, what works for you? What doesn't work for you? What am I doing? Well, what doesn't work at all? Because like, you gotta, gotta try things like there needs to be a little bit of playfulness but it's takes a little bit of the pressure off to like have it at a completely different moment you know at home or even out somewhere um obviously you probably don't want people overhearing it but just you know even designating the time to do that and to have the conversation of what do you need how is this for you and be open to hearing what your partner says because just because they say something doesn't feel good it's not a personal attack on you it's just a I don't like when you do this. Mm, <laughs> I like yeah. do all these other things. Like do more of this is usually kind of the, the way that we've talked about it is like, don't do this, do more of this. And you just go, okay, great. You know, it's not an attack of like, you're not good enough. It's just, it's not good for them. And, you know, and these, those conversations are meant to make your sex life better for both yeah. of you. So even if you're being told that something is not great, it will ultimately lead to a better sex life. And the more conversations like that you have, the better sex you can have. And also, you can also go backwards in your relationship. Um, I shared this with you guys, uh, I guess, the last time we tried to have this conversation. But um, we actually kind of took a pause on our sex life when we first started dating. You know, kind of like most of all of our relationships, you know, we started having sex pretty much right away. And then um, we'd started going to church again, and we'd been you know, carrying all that stuff. But we were like, you know what, let's do it. Um, by that point, we already knew we were going to get married. We pretty much knew like right away. So we kind of made the decision together, which was difficult at first for sure. But to actually wait until we had, or until we were married to have sex again. Um, so we stopped for like a year and a half and just focused on our relationship and found other ways to be intimate with each other. And, you know, still physically touched each other. You know, there were some new rules and boundaries, you know, making out wasn't really an option because it just wanted to lead to other things. But, you know, we would still, <laughs> you know, kiss and, you know, do all these other things, but it really worked on us. So by the time, you know, we got married, there was, that was our main tool was we had to talk to each other and we had to like each other. We couldn't just like have sex to, you know, make an argument go away or to feel better. Yeah. You know, to connect, it was we gained all these other ways to do it um, without that. So then the sex just became extra. Um, you don't need to wait till you're married to do this. Um, you can be married and decide, you know, hey, let's take a month off. Let's take six months off and just 
kind of redo our evaluation or our, you know, reevaluate our relationship with it. Um, you know, none of this is like a lateral move. You don't have to continuously have more sex. You can, you guys can do whatever you want, which I think is pretty great about it. Man, I'm so glad you shared that because one of the key things that I'm learning and realizing is there, and what I think you're touching on is there's more than one way to cultivate physical intimacy mm-hmm. and just there's there's so many ways to touch and be close and and share space with one another that doesn't involve penetration of some kind right mm-hmm. um, I think that's so important for people to realize and understand and maybe since movie alluded to this maybe we do a part two of this discussion and dive into like I mean, they focused a lot on rewiring and kind of unpacking healthy relationships with sex. Maybe part two discussion, we can touch on how to actually do that work. What do those conversations look like? How do you cultivate a healthier relationship with sex and give people some some specific tools on those things? I think that would be invaluable to kind of shed some light on like, what are the things we're doing um, and need to continue to do to grow in this area because i think as men it's one of our biggest growth areas yeah. that we have yeah. absolutely wiring our, our and unlearning our harmful views and harmful relationship with sex so would you guys be cool with that be down i'm actually yeah. i was thinking the whole time i was like i wonder what it'd be like to like have this conversation with a sex therapist <laughs> and not yeah. to just like talk about like a sex therapist but like the nature of therapy as a sex therapist, because the first time I heard of a sex therapist, I'm like, I don't know what that is, but that doesn't sound right. Only to get educated, I'm like, oh, that is super necessary and very needed. So here's what we're going to do. Our commitment to you, our audience, our listeners, is uh, sometime between when this episode comes out and the next time we have a conversation around sex, we're going to hunt that sex therapist and bring them on to discuss uh, very practical, evidence-based, you know, backed by the research, backed by the science tools uh, to help you cultivate a healthier relationship with sex. We're going to make that happen. Um, I think for now, that would be a great place to kind of wrap up for today. Um, thank you both for sharing your your experiences. I think this is part of doing the work, right? Like, do you do is coming on here, having a conversation about sex. It's uncomfortable. Uh, and doing so in a way that's not like the traditional dude talk, locker room talk, where it's like, yeah, look what I did last week, dog. Like, it's, it's productive, it's yeah. healthy, it's vulnerable. So I appreciate you too and your commitment as always to to doing that and leading by example and helping me to to do that. Um, so I just felt like that needed to be said. As always, um, to the listeners, episodes are going to continue to come out on a regular basis. Um quick disclaimer and reminder this is not it should not be your therapy right this is a tool to supplement hopefully the therapy you are getting and the self-worth that you're doing outside of this podcast but we do appreciate you as always for tuning in uh share this with someone that you love share this with someone you care about share this with someone in your circle who you think could benefit from this man woman uh non-binary individual whatever Uh, we want to grow our audience and we're really dedicated and motivated to uh, creating safe space for people to come in and join in on these conversations. So like, 
share, subscribe. We are available wherever you can find a podcast. We are there. Um, and until next time, we hope that you take care of yourselves, take care of one another, and uh, continue doing the work as as we are trying to do as well. So uh, we'll see you soon. Peace.